We're going to be uh, in our third week on discipleship, and um, today we're going to be talking about equipped. And uh, what's interesting about this idea, as you turn to, uh, to Acts chapter 1, what's interesting about the idea of being equipped is Jesus was with these 12 men and uh, maybe 120 men and women for three years, but these 12 guys specifically almost day in and day out, equipping them, right? There was formal teaching, there was the informal stuff teaching, there was the whole observing, catching what it meant to be a disciple, all of those things for three years. But he gets to the end of the three years and he says this, he says, you're not equipped, He tells them that. You're not equipped. I'm commanding you, I'm going to send you, but you're not equipped. You're not ready. So Luke 24, we read this last week. I just want to read this. You don't have to turn to that. But verse 44, 45, oh no, rather 45, he says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to him, Thus it's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And, and, and the similar situation right here before Jesus ascends into heaven. Luke then records this scene. We just read Luke. Luke also is the one who wrote Acts, and he says this. They they came together in verse 6 of chapter 1 and asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the times of the season that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They're not equipped. He says, you need to receive power. He told them in Luke 24, you're going to receive the promise from the Father, but you're not ready. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power. He says it again here. You have to receive power, and then you're equipped. So he's he's done these three years with them, but he says, no, you're not equipped. You don't have power. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And it says in chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived here in, in Acts, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like the mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave Utterance, and it goes on to talk about how they were speaking all these different foreign languages that people recognize. Then Peter, the one who ran and abandoned Christ, stands up in this in this crowd, right, and starts to talk about Jesus and says, "You're the one who killed him." And and then fast forward to Luke forty-two or chapter two, verse forty-two, and you see the result of power of the Holy Spirit. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer, and awe came on every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing 
proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And you see story after story after story. And what ends up happening here is that these disciples, these 12 and these 120 disciples, you know what they did? They actually started to go to seminary because they weren't ready right? They started to just go to Bible study after Bible study and and never actually share it because they weren't ready. They weren't equipped. They they just actually hung out in the holy huddle, bought a smock that said, I believe in Jesus, had a little embroidery back in the day. But they never actually made disciples who made disciples because They weren't equipped. No, is that what it says? Of course not. That's not what it says. Read Acts, and what do they do? They go into all the world, and they make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Why? Because they're equipped. They're equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit equipped them, every single one of them. It doesn't say that one got left behind. One got the many Holy Spirit. Part of the whole, it's all of them got the Holy Spirit equipped. All of them. Every single one of them in that moment was equipped with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the power that he brings. And every person who follows Christ in that moment of following Christ is equipped in that moment, to make disciples that make disciples. Peter talks about this, and he says, I, I gotta make sure I've got all my scriptures in order. Yeah, Peter talks about this, the second letter that he wrote, right? And he said to Christians, he says, look, his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. You have everything. You are fully equipped if you follow Christ, because the Holy Spirit comes in, dwells in us and gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Equipped. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and said, look, you, you guys have the Holy Spirit. I invite, if you want to turn to Roman, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is part of what the Holy Spirit does. He equips us and he talks about spiritual gifts and he says, look, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however, led, uh, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand, no one speaking the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And here, here's what the Holy Spirit does. He says, there's variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's variety of service, but the same Lord. There's variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all to every one. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the Spirit, to another gifts of healing, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of 
tongues. And, and what you read over in Romans is you have gifts of administration. You have spiritual gifts of leadership. You have spiritual gifts of service. You have spiritual gifts going down the road. There, there's a number of gifts that the Spirit gives, a variety of gifts for a variety of people, for a variety of ministries. He equips us. Every single person is equipped through the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're equipped. We're totally equipped. Completely equipped. And yet, there's another piece of this where it is a truth and a position and a reality. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are equipped. And yet then when you read through the New Testament, you see this other reality where God comes to us and he says, I want you to get equipped. So it's a process that then begins the rest of our lives where we get equipped. Now what is that about? I thought we were equipped. You know, which one is it? It's both. It's a position. It can't ever be taken away from us. We are equipped through the presence of the Spirit. But Peter wrote this, he says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's an idea, an idea of maturing, equipping, growing as we become a disciple. Get yourself equipped is kind of what he's saying. Paul said to Timothy, he says, you know, I, gotta, I can't look at that because I memorize a different version. So it's study to show yourselves a workman. Right, that needeth not, a rule approved by God that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he's saying, hey, look, I need you to start studying, you Christian, you, you Christian who are, are called to be a disciple that makes a disciple who makes a disciple approved by God himself. Like God is looking at you, and are you looking at his word and able to understand this, able to study this, able to rightly divide this thing and figure out, okay, what is the Lord saying, and how does it relate to me? Get equipped. It's all through the New Testament. There's this assumption that we are in a process of maturing and getting equipped. Acts chapter 17, Luke talks about this this city of Berea and these Christians who, who were they, were, they were Jews and they started following Christ and, and the apostles would come in and teach and it said this, be diligent, no, uh, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So somebody would teach like, like somebody on a Sunday morning, like a pastor, and guess what they would do? They would go home and they would study or they would go to the synagogue and study the scriptures to say, does that does that correspond with what I'm reading here? And there are times over the last 17 years here where I've had people come up to you and go, I don't know if that jives with what's going on in here. And I'm thinking, that's right out of the New Testament. Not the heresy part. Well, the heresy, but the, prepar- the preparation, right? The equipping to, to know the word and go, I don't know if I agree with that. Show me where it's written. Help me to understand that. Are you equipped? Are you getting equipped? Would God approve of where you are in this process of being equipped? 
Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, I think it was chapter 9, he said, look, this, this whole idea of equipping is like a race, right? You beat your body, you make it your slave, you train and you train and you train. Why? To win the race, right? To get the crown. Equipping's like a race. It's like an athlete who goes into training. Get yourself equipped. And there's this moment where he actually writes that church in Corinth this. And he says, look, I couldn't even talk to you. This is kind of my paraphrase, but he says, I couldn't even talk to you like as mature adults, spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it, but even now you're not ready. Meaning, you're still over here like a, a baby drinking milk. That, that's a disciple. That, that's where you are in your discipleship process. You're just still drinking milk and formula. You should be over here as an adult eating a steak. Or, or if you're vegan, a, a veggie burger. I don't know, right? Whatever. Quinoa, quinoa. Where are you on this process of equipped? You know, um, I, I wonder sometimes, uh, I, I got a bunch of glasses up here. What happens is we get equipped and Jesus gives us spiritual sight. He talks a lot about spiritual sight. Spiritual sight's a pretty big thing uh, to Jesus. He's like, you guys can't see. Those people can't see. But when, when the Holy Spirit comes, we're able to see. But it's like something comes along and, and we... And there's lies that come along in our life. And, and, and we start to, to believe these lies, right? And, and say, so, oh, no, 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 you're not seeing that right. You need to actually, you need to actually put on some, some different glasses, right? And I just bought some cheap used glasses. I don't know whose these are. I didn't even use, it's broke. But, right, that's part of the lie, right? I didn't even look at that. I didn't even prepare for that, right? And, and, and the lie is this. Like, tell me if this is a lie, that keeps us from making disciples who make disciples, that, that we're equipped to do this. Because there's a lie that comes along and says, uh, oh, no, you're not seeing this right. No, uh, you don't have enough. Right? It's the lie of scarcity. You don't know enough. You haven't been Christian long enough. You don't know enough. Right? You don't... You don't have enough gifting. You don't have the right gifting. And it goes to churches. Whole churches put these on and say, oh, no, 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 you, you can't plant churches. You can't afford to send people out. You can't afford to give up more people. You can't lose people. You can't lose the money, right? I mean, that's what starts to happen. We wear this thing and it, our vision gets all, all messed up and out of focus and blurry, Churches that can't afford to send people, people that say I, I can't afford to serve or I, I don't, can't, can't do this because I, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough. And Jesus, Jesus says, no, no, look, you have the Holy Spirit. You have enough. You're equipped. 
You have everything you need in the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter says for, for everything. Could you imagine if every Christian lived with that understanding? We have enough. We're, we're ready now. What would churches do? What would Christians do? Or maybe some of us, we have, um, I found some really, really bad glasses, but and this is a really bad lie. So I got bad glasses for a really bad lie, right? They're not even sunglasses. They're like prescription sunglasses, right? But they look really cool, kind of. Um, and, I mean, they're really bad. Everybody's blurry. But the lie is this. Ever get this lie? It's the lie that, uh, of condemnation, right? Put these on. Don't let anybody see your eyes because what, right? You're not good enough. Look what you've done. What do you, do you think that you can make a disciple with your past? Right? Who are you to think that you should go and make disciples? You don't know anything about anything. You're worthless, right? And, and how many of us spend time condemning ourselves, saying we're worthless, we're no good, we can't do this, we're not as good as them? And all it takes is somebody else to come alongside and say the same thing. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never do anything that's good that'll amount to, to, to anything. And, and it's this over and over again, this lie that distorts reality and, and says, no, you know, you're not equipped. Some of us are great at condemning ourselves before we even get out the gate. And some of us live in environments where that's all you've heard. People tearing you down. You can't do it. No way God could use your past. Look what you've done. That's going to catch up to you. What if they all find out? Like you start serving. What if they find out? And Jesus comes along and says, would you give me those stupid glasses? Right? I died for you. I covered your past under the cross. I love you. I choose you. I want you. And I've called you to go and make disciples. And I'm going to do it through you. And maybe you need to, to take these glasses off. Some of us have the, uh, the, the lie. It's the, I'm the professional Christian lie, right? We put these on and it's, we look a little bit more erudite and, and we're forever in a holding pattern of just Bible study after Bible study, right? Class after class after class. And it's just all professional. And there's no action. There's no follow through. And, and there's just this lie that says, oh yeah, God, because that's part of it, right? The process is where it's never ending. Like, and that's the part of it that's hard. Like, how do, how do I preach against going to a Bible study? Like, we should be going to Bible study for the rest of our lives. So it feels wrong for me to even say that, but it's the intent, it's the behavior I've never once actually thinking I'm equipped, now let's go, let's do this. 
And Jesus is like, would you, would you just take the classes off and go lead a Bible study? Go lead a group. Go because you're equipped. All theory, but no practice. And Jesus is like, give me those glasses. Or, or how about the, the last one? I got, I got another pair here. How about this one? You ever wear these glasses? This is the, the glasses. This is the lie. This is the somebody else will do it. Glasses. Yeah, somebody else will do it. And we put these on and we look around. You can't see everything clearly, but oh, we, we need ah, somebody else to do that. Oh, that, that over there, that, what about those? Ah, somebody else will do that. Ah, somebody else will do it. Oh, somebody else will do that. And, and, and Jesus is like, would you take those glasses off and would you look down and, and all of a sudden we take them off and there's a name tag and it says somebody. I'm like, what? Yeah, you are the somebody I'm going to call. We're equipped. We're equipped. Satan feeds us a bunch of lies. I don't know if any of those register. But I want to get real practical for a second as we talk about this. You and I are equipped to make disciples. Where can that happen at our church? Up on the screen, you're going to see this. You're equipped to make disciples anywhere. You're a licensed card-carrying member of the Jesus Christ kingdom, right? You, you can go anywhere with the Holy Spirit and make disciples. It doesn't have to happen in these four walls. If you're looking for context to make disciples, lead a community group. Probably one of our most effective places that we make disciples. It's life on life. I mean, we don't get to know each other here in this room. It's hard, right? You can't get to know people. It's hard to go deep. But in community groups, you, you find authenticity and intimacy, and you start to challenge each other, sharpen each other, equip, make disciples. So lead a community group. Help another community group leader lead a community group. It's a way to do it. Get in a Bible study. Start leading a Bible study. We've got men's and women's. We've got large ones. We've got small ones. We've got ones that are flying under the radar. I, lead a Bible study. Get a person and do a Bible study. It's, you're equipped. Do it off-site. Do it on-site. Alpha. Invite some friends. Be one of the leaders. Be one of the helpers at a table where you're just facilitating this conversation. That counts. And most of the time you're eating, watching a video, and enjoying each other's company. It's, I mean, it's not hard. Our children's ministry. You can disciple, and it counts. Discipling children counts. We're a family church, right? And, and if you understand the community around us of Seville and you go to Norton and Barberton, Wadsworth, Medina, kids are a big deal. If you don't understand family ministry and how important it is in a local church, your church isn't going anywhere. 
Children are important. Our family ministry, what happens over there and what happens here Sunday evenings is incredibly important. Right now, over the last six months, we've seen, and we have no idea what's going on and why, we've seen a massive decrease in people who are willing to serve over in our children's ministry, especially during this service. Like, we're having to look at making some radical shifts because people won't serve, won't disciple. And you're saying, well, why don't we know about that? Well, we're telling you. We do a lot of recruiting. We, we try not to raise that alarm. Monique and Beth are always calling people. You've probably gotten a call from Monique and Beth. They call and recruit all the time. Pray about that, please. It counts. One of the things that, a way to think about this, uh, practically speaking, is who, Jesus had this model of discipling 12, but even in the 12 he had three, and then he had this crowd of 120. Would God just say, ask God, God, do you want me to disciple three? Do you want me to disciple 12? And it doesn't have to be that number, but that's, think, think small, micro, think maybe a little bit bigger, think macro, like, Lord, where do you want me to disciple? To make disciples who make disciples. And hopefully those are just really practical ways to think through this. On the other side, where do you get equipped? Who's discipling you? I remember this story. You want to talk about the three and the 12 and even sometimes the one-on-one. Andy Stanley tells this story about his dad. His dad um, is Charles Stanley. And if you don't know him, that's fine. People don't know him. But Charles Stanley is a pretty famous uh, pastor within the Christian community. Um, And he's now in his 80s. Um, And he asked his dad, like three or four years ago, I think, or something like that. Was that what it was? He's in his 70s, maybe 80s, something like that, late 70s. So Andy comes up to his dad. Andy's a pastor of a large church in in Atlanta area, about 30,000 people. His dad's a pastor, large church, radio ministry, all these books and everything. And he's like, Dad, you know, he asks this question like, when does it ever end? And his dad's like, what do you mean? It never ends. And Andy's like, what? And, And it was this whole realization that his dad, Charles, was still looking for someone to disciple him. Who is it that's going to disciple me? Who is it? And, and Andy's like, Dad, there's nobody else older than you. <laughs> like, who are you going to go to? You're old. And here's Charles, this pastor of all these people, all these, you know, all the ministries and everything, and he's still looking for someone to help sharpen him, disciple him, this process of growing more. So it never stops. So is it, a, is it a person? Have you ever approached somebody and say, hey, would you spend some time with me? I'd like to get sharp. I want to I get discipled on this, or I want to I do, I don't know, mentor me in this. Maybe it's the one. Maybe it's a Bible study. Like, we're, look at that previous list, right? Your community group. Maybe you're getting in a community group because you need to be discipled. You need to get equipped. It's great. Maybe you're new, maybe you're a prodigal coming back, maybe you're still trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, Alpha would be a great place to go. That's a place where it all starts and you start to get equipped and figure out what this life with Jesus looks like. 
if you've got a bunch of lies, like you're, yeah, this is it, and, and it's like, man, I'm stuck. Steps to Freedom, our freedom ministry, is a ministry where we see people get freed up to make disciples. And there's just a lot of stuff that people carry around from their past. A lot of things that you can't shake. And, and what we do is, you, it's intense, it's one person, it's one with one, maybe one or two, and it's a process where you just get healing and you get freedom. It's not a, it's not a beat people up thing and crack the whip, it's just filled with grace and mercy and healing and love, freedom. And maybe that's what Christ is calling you to do. If you're doing financial peace, that to me is equipping. You're getting equipped to be someone who as a disciple can leverage your resources to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Of course, why, why wouldn't that be? There's one final one we, I want to talk about. Actually, Norm, if you could come up. This, this is a, another piece of our church. Um, and it might seem a little more obvious because it's a classroom setting. Um, but we have a, a theology a program that we, we've been doing for 10 years, something like At this. At least. And um, <clears throat> so we have a total of how many semesters? Uh, six. Six semesters of theology. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's geared and wired towards us. It's not for, you don't have to be a graduate. You don't have to like go off to seminary or something like this. This is made for, for us, us-uns, right? Y'all-uns. Like you can understand this. The average person can understand this. So there's, there's a number of people that have gone through all. Yeah, this time around. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure how many of them are here. Uh, if you're here, come on up to the stage. We want to recognize you guys. So, we have, uh, we've got 11, uh, 11 folks that are, we're going to spread them out between first and second service, but we've got uh, 11 folks that have made it through all six courses. And we want to recognize them because it is a serious, there they are, all right. It's a serious oh. commitment. Are you guys like get... hanging out back there? <laughs> is there food? Is there anything back there? Yeah, okay. So let me introduce Come you to in. some of these Come folks here just Come so on. we've got Come it. So we've got... Joe Breider, Brian Elmore, we've got John and Leah Haynes, we've got Grant and Caitlin Schofield. Raise your hand, raise your hand. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. you, John, you already we've got We've got Kimberly and Josh. Everhard, right, we've got Jenny. Oh, I lost it. We lost the mic. It's part, oh, it's working now. No, you just pressed, the, you just pressed the mute. No, did you? I don't know. There you go. Thanks. Hey, I'm back. There we go. We've got Jenny Trowbridge. We've got Chris. Is Chris here? No. Chris is late to every class, so this is, this is about perfect. Okay. And we've got Amy Hopkins. So, um, like I said, we want to get these folks up here because it's a serious commitment. So it's 10, 10 weeks per class or per course, and there's six courses. Um, so it takes about three years because we do one every spring, one every fall, three years to get through this whole program. And it's a lot of time and a lot of dedication. And these folks have done that. And uh, we've got certificates for them and, and a little gift from the church. But we wanted to bring them up and recognize them. Before we do that, it's about the program. So 
This is something we're committed to as freshwater. This is something that allows you to go deeper. Um, this is something that is, it's very, very intentional in design. We designed this program so that it hits big topics. It talks about who God is, who the Trinity is. It talks about humanity, who we are in sin. It talks about salvation. It talks about who the church is, end times, prophecy. We hit a lot of big topics, but we do it in a way that anybody can take the class. We've had, you know, over the 10, 11 years I've done this, we've had middle school kids, high school kids, stay-at-home moms and dads. We've had engineers, doctors, accountants. We've had pastors from this church, other church. You name it, we've had it through. And the program is set up so that anybody can take it and get really good, meaty stuff out of it. Um, and, and we are excited to continue this program here. So... Um, I asked one of the, uh, the folks here just to kind of share a little bit here about their experience, and then uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of recognize everybody after that. So, Brian? Yeah, so three years ago when I started the program, I was just a, a baby Christian and heard about the program and <clears throat> excuse me, wanted to be more of a follower than a fan, and it absolutely helped me do that. It uh, allowed me to look at things with uh, gates down and not always up and uh, to understand this new faith that I had found better than just following the herd, if you will. So I definitely uh, recommend it to everyone. Um, I'm thinking about doing it again. So, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. So yeah, if you, uh, we, offer it every, we offer an introduction course every year, and then you can dive in for us there. So if you haven't taken it yet, I'd highly recommend it. Come talk to any of these folks up here. Talk to me about it. If you've been in the program and still have some classes to take, dive back in. Consider jumping back into the thing. It's something that really helps equip us and grow us as Christians and grow us as a church, make us stronger, more confident in our faith and who we are and who God is and how much we love him. So if you guys could, let's give everybody here a round of applause. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Here, I'll hand these out. All right. Jake, you got it. We're going to keep doing this little celebration, start singing. We'll figure it out. Transition wasn't that great, but you get the idea. Uh, let's sit up together. Uh, Congratulations.